Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the Compliance Report International Edition. Today, I have back with me Carlos Ayers. Carlos is a partner at Medea Ayers and Cerubi in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and today he talks about tropicalizing your compliance program, and by that he means <clears throat> modifying your program to make it more Latin American friendly. He talks about the difference in the scope of anti-bribery and anti-corruption laws in the United States and in such countries as Brazil with the Clean Companies Act. He highlights the utilization and usefulness of local databases. He talks about the differences in training and <clears throat> internal investigations, and he concludes by talking about the audit clause and audit rights in Latin America. It's a fascinating interview, which will really give you some insight into the differences in the way corruption and, more importantly, anti-corruption compliance programs can be effective across different regions. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again with another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, the International Edition. Uh, I am joined by uh, Carlos Ayers. Carlos, of course, is a partner in uh, Sao Paulo in the law firm of Medea, Ayers, and Ruby, and he is um, going to visit with us today on a topic that I find fascinating that has lots of applications for the U.S. compliance practitioner. And that's what he terms tropicalizing your compliance program. So, Carlos, thank you for taking the time to visit with us today. Uh, what do you mean when you say that a compliance program needs to be tropicalized? Oh, first of all, Tom, thank you for uh, for the invitation. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, to participate uh, on this podcast. And I think this topic is very important because uh, oftentimes the compliance programs of uh, U.S. companies uh, doing business in Latin America, they consist mainly of translations uh, of the policies, procedures, training materials that the headquarters uh, use uh, in the U.S. And, and when I mention tropicalite, is, uh, is to uh, make sure that the compliance program in the region cover uh, some local uh, aspects. And uh, I will start with the scope uh, because the scope of the FCPA, when we compare to uh, the Brazilian uh, anti-bribery law, for example, the scope is different. Uh, and while the FCPA covers the bribery of uh, foreign officials and also has the accounting internal controls provisions, the anti-bribery law in Brazil covers more than just corruption. Uh, and significant parts uh, of the Clean Companies Act, for example, address uh, illegal conduct related to public tenders and public procurements and not necessarily linked to corruption. So uh, given this, uh, it's important that the compliance program is designed uh, also to address these other prohibited acts uh, addressed uh, in the Clean Companies Act. Uh, so for example, and many times uh, what I see is that uh, employees uh, 
they violate the law and sometimes they do not understand uh, that that is an issue. And the law incorporates a notion of strict liability, which means that the government need not to show uh, any uh, intent or fault. So uh, to comply uh, with the Brazilian law, uh, it's important that companies uh, operating in the country uh, enhance their compliance program, uh, among other things to intensify trainings uh, and develop specific policies related to public tenders and public contracts. Uh, and, and these measures, as I mentioned, they are important because the employees uh, oftentimes uh, commit wrongdoing because they are not familiar with the law or because they do not know how to react when presented to a specific uh, situation. The second point that I would like to to, uh, to raise uh, is that, of course, as part of the, uh, the due diligence, it's important to conduct an independent uh, background check uh, on the business partner. Uh, and many vendors uh, offer these services in the region and for a reasonable price, uh, providing information from an extensive list of database ranging for terrorist list uh, to the World Bank. A uh, list of the barred uh, entities. Uh, but it's important that in this process, companies or their vendors uh, incorporate important local databases uh, that we have throughout the region. So, for example, uh, since 2008, uh, the Office of the Controller General in Brazil has kept a public website with the names of individuals and companies uh, that were debarred at the federal level and in most of the states. So uh, it's essential uh, that such local sources are checked uh, since the local authorities would not uh, look kindly uh, on situations where issues arise when public negative information could have uh, been easily obtained, and especially in case of CGU, because CGU also enforces the law. So uh, that's a, a, a one factor to take into consideration uh, as well. The uh, Thirty uh, point here uh, that I would like to talk uh, in terms of uh, tropicalizing a compliance program uh, is with respect to training. Uh, uh, and when talking about training, I would mention first that the importance to use uh, local language. This might seem obvious, but I have seen many companies providing uh, uh, the training and training materials uh, in English, uh, for example. Uh, and the use of the local language uh, will not only allow the employees to understand uh, the training, and people should keep in mind that many people uh, in Latin America do not speak English or other uh, foreign languages. So, uh, also, uh, even when the, the employees speak English, uh, they tend to ask uh, less question and express less concern when uh, we compare, for example, when the training is conducted uh, in, in their native language. Uh, another uh, aspect that I would emphasize here uh, is the importance to refer to FCPA cases uh, in the region uh, if, the if the training is more focused uh, on FCPA. 
Uh, and the reason I say that is that many times uh, when companies talk to their employees about FCPA, they might feel that you know the law is far from their uh, reality and this is a law that it will never be applied uh, to them. So to make uh, the FCPA more uh, tangible, uh, I, I would suggest that companies refer to FCPA casings arising uh, from the country uh, in which the training uh, is being conducted or in the region if there is no enforcement action uh, in, the, in the specific country. So, for example, uh, if we're dealing with trainings uh, in Argentina, uh, the company might want to refer to the uh, Siemens case or to the Hal Florin case. Uh, uh, if it's in Brazil, the company might want to refer to the Net Nature Sunshine or Biomet. Uh, and I think the closer the case are to the employee's reality, bringing examples of companies in the same industries or individuals playing similar roles, that makes the training uh, uh, very uh, effective as it becomes more uh, tangible. Um, in many countries uh, in, the, in the region, uh, not only in Latin America, but in other countries, throughout the globe, we are seeing an increase uh, in the enforcement uh, of local laws. So even if the training is more focused on FCPA, uh, I think it's important for companies to uh, make reference to the uh, local anti-bribery laws, uh, and especially when the, there is a strong enforcement. And I think uh, this help the company remind employees that uh, in addition to the FCPA, uh, other laws uh, might apply and these other laws might be uh, strong enforced by uh, uh, the local authorities. So such data uh, is important uh, if the company has, uh, if the, and in the country has uh, strong enforcement. That would be the case uh, of Brazil, just on top of my mind here. So even before uh, the car wash uh, operation, which the numbers speak for itself, and everybody uh, in Brazil would be familiar with that, uh, even before, so if we look at the data between 2008 uh, and 2012, the number of individuals arrested for uh, bribery-related offense increase 133%. So that makes uh, more uh, tangible uh, for, uh, for the employees. And one last thing about the training, which I think it's very important, uh, is to adapt the training materials to the local uh, culture. Uh, and the training, similar to other parts uh, of the program, oftentimes consists of translation versions of the materials used uh, in the U.S. or other countries with no uh, adaptations. And uh, these, of, these materials... Uh, oftentimes fail to connect uh, to the participants. So many times I see, as example, uh, uh, somebody who take a person to a baseball game uh, in Brazil or Argentina, and, you know, to tell the tr truth, 
except for a very, very few people, nobody really plays uh, baseball or golf in Brazil and Argentina. Uh, and if we give such examples, I think they might reinforce the perception that uh, FCPA uh, issues are far from the local uh, employees' reality or might be something uh, exotic. So if we are dealing, let's say, with somebody in Argentina, uh, a company might use, you know, an official being taken to a game of the Libertadores Cup, which is our uh, South America premier uh, international soccer uh, tournament. So it makes more tangible and immediate uh, to the employees. Uh, also, uh, uh, another point here uh, that I would like to a third point here that I would like to raise uh, the attention of those uh, doing business uh, in Latin America uh, is to consider uh, local privacy laws. Uh, this applies uh, worldwide, but here uh, it's uh, particularly interest because uh, in general, uh, Latin America countries allow companies uh, to access corporate emails of their employees uh, as well as to use uh, uh, to monitor uh, corporate device. Uh, however, uh, to do so, uh, companies are usually required uh, to give express notice to employees about uh, the absence of computer privacy uh, on on, on, on the computers they are used. So in Argentina, uh, for example, companies are required to obtain uh, consent uh, from, uh, from the employees. Uh, and lack uh, of such notice uh, that the employees might be required uh, might negatively uh, impact uh, the ability of the company uh, to review uh, such documents uh, and use them. And other countries uh, like Colombia have recently passed uh, uh, data privacy laws uh, that have an impact uh, on the internal investigation. Uh, and uh, that's something uh, to keep in mind. Still talking about uh, internal uh, investigations, uh, another aspect that I would like to, uh, to raise here uh, for attention uh, is to determine uh, where, when would be the best time uh, to issue a whole notice. And, uh, and the preservation of documents uh, uh, physically, electronically, uh, as early as possible uh, is one of the most important steps uh, for a credible uh, investigation. Uh, and uh, oftentimes, uh, this uh, is, uh, is done uh, through some uh, whole notice to relevant uh, employees. And uh, companies uh, conducting internal investigations in Latin America uh, should remember that in the region, as soon as they issue the holds, uh, it might trigger a massive loss of data. Uh, and I have seen cases in which companies decided uh, to uh, issue a whole notice uh, and then later on identify that uh, files might uh, have been wiped or laptops that have uh, disappeared uh, under suspicious uh, 
circumstance. So uh, I usually say uh, here, uh, uh, you know, we are not in Switzerland. So many times when the employees, they receive the, the notice, they run to destroy the document. So considering this, uh, it's uh, a good idea to issue the whole notice uh, after uh, the relevant uh, documents uh, and data have been preserved or uh, simultaneously uh, to the preservation efforts. I would leave uh, sending the whole notice uh, in advance of the data collection to situations in which uh, the uh, matter uh, is public uh, and in which will take time for the company uh, to be able to secure uh, uh, the data. And to finalize here, Ton, uh, another aspect of the compliance program, uh, it's uh, audit rights. Uh, in Latin America, uh, the enforceability of audit clause is often uh, difficulty, uh, time-consuming, uh, and costly. Uh, and the main reason uh, for that uh, is that, again, uh, the, the subsidiaries uh, use, use uh, clause uh, which have been translated uh, for uh, the clause used in their headquarters. And such clauses uh, often disregard uh, best practice in contract drafting, the legal system in which the subsidiaries uh, operate, uh, and uh, courts and arbitrators, they are oftentimes unfamiliar uh, with them, uh, and given that such clauses are often uh, enforced in the context of uh, internal investigations and in the context of disputes, uh, it's important to have a detailed uh, uh, audit right uh, upfront uh, determining uh, who can uh, specify the scope, uh, who will pay uh, for the costs, uh, what kind of information the company uh, will have access. Uh, otherwise, the company uh, might end up having uh, access uh, just to the textbooks, for example, uh, of their third parties, which at the end of the day might not bring the information that the company is looking for. Uh, the company uh, might want to have uh, the opportunity, for example, to speak uh, to employees. Uh, so it's important to think about that uh, in advance. So in a nutshell, I think those were uh, some points in which companies are operating uh, in in the region uh, should uh, carefully uh, consider when implementing, uh, uh, enhancing or uh, uh, monitoring uh, the compliance program in Latin America. Well, Carlos, that was certainly a, a very detailed discussion. There was, a, I guess my first observation is the your five points, the scope of those or the, the breadth rather of those five points really went all the way from sort of the lowest level frontline employee when you gave the example about golf or baseball in a training session, all the way up through um, document holds for senior executives um, and uh, Brazil not being Switzerland. So um, 
I mean, it really sounds like a uh, compliance professional or a corporate compliance practitioner really needs to think through the trop- tropicalizing of their compliance program for the entire Latin American uh, continent and consider really not just the cultural differences, because I think we're all aware of those, but really legal differences as well. And you've got to have a comprehensive way to, to make your program work in any of the countries in South America. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, that would be a, a, a fair statement, uh, and you got it right. It's about dealing with uh, the different levels uh, as well and, and the differences in the legal system. And oftentimes, uh, what I see is that uh the person uh, responsible for Latin America uh, sits in uh, Brazil, uh, Miami, uh, or uh, Mexico. Uh, and oftentimes, the people believe that the same rules apply uh, throughout the region. Uh, and the answer to that is no. So it's important to have in each of these countries uh, somebody that knows uh, how to navigate uh, not only on the legal difference, but also on the local uh, risks. Well, Carlos, unfortunately, we're at the end of our time, but this has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, And I was wondering if uh, anyone wanted to contact you to follow up on any of the points you raised today, uh, how could they do so? Uh, Through email, my email, it's carlosiris. Uh, A-Y-R-E-S at maedairis.com Well, Carlos, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tony. Yes, this has been uh, really instructive, and I look forward to continuing the conversation on another podcast. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for the invitation, uh, and hopefully uh, your audience will uh, think this was a helpful uh, podcast. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Compliance Report International Edition. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast so <clears throat> to help our rankings and also get the word out about the only anti-bribery, anti-corruption compliance program podcast which deals with international issues. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode, and I hope you will join me for another episode of the Compliance Report International Edition. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.